0: The Guardian. Hello and welcome to a Guardian film show that's positively saddled with the weight of responsibility. The characters in this week's movies are growing up and growing old. They're connecting with their son or bonding with their daughter or kicking against encroaching middle age. It's a long, hard haul to the closing credits, but hopefully there'll be some laughter along the way. Coming up on this week's show, Bruce Willis plays Big Daddy in the action-packed A Good Day to Die Hard. Paul Dano plays feckless absentee parent in the indie drama For Ellen and none other than Keanu Reeves leads an investigation into the rumoured death of cinema on the documentary Side by Side. But we begin in a spirit of comedy and mischief with This is 40 by Judd Apatow. Now this casts Apatow's off-screen wife Leslie Mann alongside Paul Rudd as a harried Los Angeles couple who would really rather ignore their upcoming birthday. I pulled up a comfy chair to discuss the problems of ageing with Apatow and Rudd. You want to get a massage
1: or... Do something fun? It's a bit... 40 is huge! I'm turning 38. Okay,
0: 38. Okay, we'll move on. Isn't it weird that our birthday is the same week and then we're going to have a party and it's just for me?
1: No, I don't think it's weird at all. Because you're turning 40 and I'm turning 38.
0: John, how much is this film a form of mm-hmm. self-therapy?
1: Uh, it's probably an attempt at self-therapy that didn't work. I feel like at the end of it, Leslie and I just went, I think we learned nothing from making this movie. You would think all oh, the lessons of life are in it, and they are, but we will continue to ignore them. What did you get me for my birthday? Wait a minute, I thought you said that we shouldn't get each other gifts this year. What do you mean? You're supposed to give me a surprise gift. This is a big birthday. I'm turning 40.
0: Having made this film about the onset of middle age, what's the, the best thing and the worst thing about being in your 40s? I
2: don't stress as much about certain things that I probably did uh, as a younger man. Um, I have experienced a lot. I've experienced a lot in the last several years, Um, not just work-wise and career-wise, but I I am a father now, I've had two children. I've also lost my father. I, uh, I,
0: I put him somewhere and I still can't find him. I'm 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 thinking maybe he's in the boot of my car.
1: Why do we fight? I don't know. It makes no sense. It at makes all. no sense. And you get so mad at me. Oh I, my I gosh. feel like you want to kill me. I do want to kill you. How would you do it? I don't know. I'm poison you. I poison your cupcakes. So you pretend not to eat every day and just put like enough in to just slowly weaken you. I love it. I would enjoy our last few months together. Me too. Because you'd be so weak and like sweet and I could take care of you and but while killing you. Are
0: you finding that comedy, straight comedy, gets harder as you get into middle age? Is there sort of less to laugh
1: about? Uh, I think it's more that I'm interested in telling the truth and the truth isn't always just like a big, silly, happy... Ending. It's uh, it's a little more in the middle. You know that everything is like good and bad, sweet and bittersweet, and you just fight on. You need to get outside more. Do some playing outside. Yeah, you can build things out. You could build a, a fort outside. What? Yeah, build a fort. Play with your friends and have make some... a fort outside. Yeah. And do what? Have little. Do what in the fort? When I was a kid, we used to. Build tree houses and play with sticks. Nobody plays with sticks. You and Charlotte can have a lemonade stand. Play kick the can. Look for dead bodies. That's fun. That's fun to do. Get a tire and then just take a stick and run down a street with it. Nobody does that crap. It's 2012. You don't need technology. No technology.
0: Would you revisit these
1: characters again? Are we going to get a uh, uh, This is 60? Uh, we might, we might, although I was just talking to somebody and I realized I could do This as 20 and just do mod at 20 in five years. So maybe I'll just reverse the whole thing and go in the other direction. Or I could do This as 10 with Iris. <laughs> Would they
0: be up for that? I, well, it's a paycheck. <laughs> Turning back the clock now is Catherine Short and Henry Barnes, those capering young scamps of The Guardian film desk, Catherine, did this at last give you some compassion for the older generation?
3: Not really. No, it's probably not the film to do that. I mean, that's probably its its main problem, isn't it? Is that Judd Apatow um, seems to think that that one should. Uh you know, I mean, basically, he's the Paul Rudd character here, mm. and um, and the Paul Rudd character is, is wonderful, really. And Leslie Mann comes across as a bit of a sort of screeching harpy, and but you know, you have to feel sorry for Paul Rudd because uh, you know he's got a bit of financial trouble, and his wife's slightly unhappy, and his you know older daughter's a bit of a pain, and that's sort of it. And
0: and they might have to sell the big big house that they've got.
3: That's the thing. That's the big sort of um, crisis thing, and it's like with uh, Hitchcock because the big line and that is where helen mirren says we've already mortgaged our house and it's in you know, it so it's one one first of the world problems yeah it is and you can make first world problems uh, entertaining and even sympathetic something like corporate enthusiasm is a very similar milieu uh but and i i love that and that's because it's um it's cruel and it's nasty and it's mm. funny and and actually i rewatched watched um, funny people Apatow's previous film to this and and I I hadn't no actually I watched it for the first time because I hadn't seen it before and I'd heard it was uh, bad in many of the ways that this is meant to be bad so very long very self-indulgent and actually at least it has a sort of strata of poison in it Mm. enough to make it you know give the sort of cocktail a bit of kick this really doesn't and it just goes on forever.
0: It strikes me maybe a victim of his own success that he's become this millionaire comic empresario over in Hollywood and so what has he got to make films about? He can't make films about geeky misfit teens anymore Mm. so he can only make a film about his real life but his real life doesn't exactly inspire sympathy does it?
2: Yeah, maybe Um, but then people like Sofia Coppola can make two or three movies about the same subject i.e. privileged people living in Hollywood and you might not like all of her films but there is something in them for me (laughs) that is dramatically interesting where there, there isn't in this. And I wonder if there was even an editor on this as well. It's just It was a sprawl. It was a good 160 minutes of everything that popped into his head, whether it was funny or not.
3: And you, you have a lot of that at the moment. You have real kind of self-indulgence that's uncurbed uh, by editors or friends or anyone. And, you know, somebody should have said to him at some level, cut it out, Judd, like... You know, with Reacher, they should have said to Tom Cruise, it's, it's getting a little embarrassing now. It's not, people aren't going to warm to this. And
2: it also feels like he's trying to do everything to get a laugh as well. Like you, I, I, At one point I thought, this is too highbrow for me, that's why I'm not getting it. Or I'm in the wrong age group, so I'm, I'm not getting it. But then you see Paul Rudd lying down, checking if he's got um, piles with a mirror between his legs. And it's like, oh no, you're going for easy gags as well. and not Also, even work.
0: There, is it all right to, in a sophisticated American comedy to laugh at an Asian doctor's foreign accent? <laughs> <laughs> that seemed like a it's
3: w- not, real is it? false yeah. note. Yeah. Yeah, and all the cameos, you know, he, bring, he brings on all the roster of people that he's, you know, uh, you've got uh, Chris O'Dowd and Lane Le- Dunham and Listen all these people, Miss McCarthy, yeah. McCarthy, and none of them were really very good, you know, you got to, if you're going to have the hilarious cameo, it's got to be hilarious, and it's got to be sort of cameo, I mean, the problem is, if you have a cameo in such a long film as this, they come in loads, so it wasn't like, oh, it's them, oh, great, because they were there all the time.
0: What I would say though is, if there's any point of identification for me in this film, it was Melissa McCarthy. When, <laughs> when she's looking at them and they're arguing with the yeah. school principal and she says, they look like people out of a bank advert. Yeah. You know, Of course you're going to go with them and not with me. Yeah. You think, yes, that's me. <laughs>
1: yeah, my wife would never let me have a hot employee like that. Yeah? No. Every woman who works for us uh, looks like they've been in some kind of horrible accident. Yeah. I'm drawing out of my
2: slave. <laughs>
1: Are you comfortable with that around your husband? He wouldn't know what to do with that. You think our wives are looking at us right now? Oh, definitely. Yeah. They are like pedophiles.
0: Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann getting older by the minute in This Is 40. But if you want a lesson in growing old really disgracefully, look no further than this man. It's Bruce Willis in Die Hard 5. There's a cannonball run through the streets of Moscow, helicopters shooting holy hell out of a luxury hotel, and the Chernobyl nuclear power plant blowing up all over again. And, throughout it all, the finger of Blaine points squarely to Bruce Willis, reprising his role as John McClane in A Good Day to Die Hard, and explaining time and again that he's actually on vacation. He's a walking, one-man disaster area. And I'm guessing this is way more in your neighbourhood.
2: Yeah, I like this for at least the first 20 minutes. And that was because it follows that trope of the old action dude, you know, kind of running around and, and doing action things that older people by rights shouldn't be doing anymore. But instead of addressing it in a way that a Schwarzenegger or Stallone film would, where they say, I'm too old for this kind of thing anymore, you just have him running around <laughs> shouting at traffic. So I thought, oh, they're kind of, a an action film, if you know what I mean. He's just losing it, but we're not going to explicitly address that. Uh, and then you get his son popping up and you realise that it's just another kind of tired reworking of the franchise to keep it rolling on, I guess. I mean, did you like this? I got the sense no, that it weren't really... No, I thought really. it was absolute junk. It was a heap <laughs> but Not of good junk. junk, bad junk.
0: It was bad junk. Mm. Um, the action sequences, if you like that kind of thing, were thrillingly handled. There's that great kind of endless car chase across the freeway in in moscow that that is sort of brilliant He must have killed like hundreds of innocent commuters every
2: day yeah
0: but you never you know it doesn't go into that what you eventually realize is that all of these commuters are being killed as an excuse for him to bond with his son and this builds to a great moment i'm really sorry for the spoiler here builds to a great moment where he goes i love your son now let's go kill some scumbags (laughs) which is actually pretty representative of my own relationship with my father
2: except he says but let's put on a seinfeld and once you've got the family issues out of the way, that's when the mass murder can really start, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: And of course, these films are utterly disposable. You're not actually expected to dwell on them and think, did they really resolve their issues when they get back to New York afterwards? Mm-hmm. And, and then what happens? And is, is the relationship now stronger because they've killed all these scumbags? I don't, think, I don't think we're being invited to kind of really tease out all of those Freudian issues
2: It felt almost like a fan-made piece of film in that a Kickstarter fund had been starting up, started up and they'd managed to get enough money somehow to get Bruce involved again mm. and you have all the kind of The tent pegs, I guess, of what you'd want to see from a Die Hard film. Like, you know, he says his catch line at a certain point, and there's a guy falling off a building in that classic shot from the first film. Mm -hmm. But none of them add up to anything that's anywhere near as witty or as clever as the first Die Hard movie.
0: I like the fact that it it ends at Chernobyl, the nuclear power plant, and as if to kind of remind people what Chernobyl is, somebody says, "Where's the fire from Chernobyl?" And then on the soundtrack you get this kind of <clears throat> <laughs> just so you think, "Oh, that's the bad yeah, place—the bad place, the bad place. <laughs> the not bad the nice Chernobyl—the <laughs> yeah. bad one."
2: And the way of getting rid of you know radiation with a half life of decades is to spray a bit of an aerosol on it. Apparently, yeah, so the and then on blow well. the
0: place to hell. <laughs>
1: We do for our kids. <laughs> hey! <laughs> hey, <my child!
0: laughs> Lessons in Fatherhood from Bruce Willis there. And here perhaps is how not to do it, courtesy of Paul Dano who's all at sea in upstate New York. Paul Dano stars as Joby Taylor, a rootless, largely unsuccessful heavy metal singer who travels to wintry upstate New York on a mission to forge a bond with his six-year-old daughter. He's rattling from bar to bowling alley, toy shop to playground, and he's doing it all for Ellen. Catherine, this is by the Korean-born director So Young Kim, who initially, I think, envisaged the Paul Dana role for a much older actor, and yet he's really good in it, I thought.
3: He's great, because he's like he's a child himself in so many ways, and, and, and you know, it's an interesting comparison, something like this is 40, because they're acting like children, and yet, you know, but, but Paul Dana, really, he, he still has the face of a child. He still looks almost as young as Ellen. and But it's a wonderful performance. I mean, it's a real model in how to make a film around one performance and not much action, not much happening, and still make it incredibly compelling. He's wonderful in it. And it's a, it's a strange film because it is so upsetting at, at a lot of moments. It's really, it's not sort of, it's not even sort of teary. It's, it's just depressing. Mm. Um, but it's also very funny. It's a really sort of singular flavour this film has got. It's really great, but it's, um, it's hard to see it getting an amazingly big audience, I think. It's quite...
2: Like, with Paul Dana you, he's a fantastic actor but you do get those performances where he's almost kind of squealy over the top yeah. like with Looper I thought he kind of like his part in Looper just it destroyed part of the film for me because he was so manic and mm. crazy eyed mm. and pathetic that you just thought mm. but with this it's, it's really powerful how he just grabs the film and takes it and makes it his own we're talking
0: about Dana but it's got an absolutely terrific performance from Shailene yeah. Mandingo um, as as Ellen has just extraordinary i, mean, I don 't even know if you can call it acting exactly, but it 's heartbreaking and, and beautifully convincing
3: yeah absolutely she 's incredible it's quite frightening and actually there's a lot of films recently where it it's absolutely dependent on that being good, like something like The Hunt. It's completely, if that little girl hadn't been as sort of freakishly great as she was, uh, it would have been a different kind of film. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. And I think you're right, though. It is great to see Dana have a spine, finally. We've never seen him have a spine, and it's, it, is, it is sort of strangely exciting to see that. What do you want?
1: I just want to know how you feel.
0: Paul Dano in The Excellent for Ellen. Now, obviously, we like to shoot this show every week on expensive 35 mm film because, you know, we, we figure that nothing's too good. But incredibly, other filmmakers are increasingly opting to go digital instead. And it seems there's only one man who can tell us why. Are you done with film?
1: Don't hold me to it, Keanu, but I think I am.
0: Film is dying and digital is in the ascendancy and the movie industry is in a state of flux. The Hollywood actor Keanu Reeves guides us through these times of change, interviewing everyone from George Lucas to Lars von Trier and asking, and I'm paraphrasing here, whether digital is a good thing or like totally bogus.
3: I really felt I should call film on the phone and say I've met someone because I really thought, okay,
1: this is the future.
0: Henry, Keanu's kind of playing the Columbo figure
2: in Hollywood here, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, who knew he had such depth? (laughs) He's he's deeply interested in what is actually quite a dull topic for a lot of people who aren't into their film technology. Um, I guess the idea of the film is, is that it's not um, championing the old days of filmmaking over the new technology that's coming out. It's about, as the title suggests, looking at digital filmmaking in the modern era alongside the old techniques of celluloid that are still being used by yeah. a lot of directors. And in fact, people like Chris Nolan in this film are really adamant that they don't want to move on to digital yet because it hasn't got the same quality and then you have your Steven Soderbergh's or Robert Rodriguez's and people like that who are really into the digital but they've chosen it primarily because of how it makes the film look rather than it being about the convenience of filmmaking. and also, I mean, that is, for the mass audience, I think that's where this film really shines is that the yeah. roll call of people they have and they talk to yeah. is just incredible. You've got the Wachowskis on there, Soderbergh, Rodriguez, James Cameron, who was in many ways responsible for all of this kicking off with Avatar. So, you know, it is comprehensive in that way. I'm just not entirely sure that it's much fun to watch, really.
0: Henry was talking about the, the merits of using film. What, what are the merits of using digital as expressed in this film?
3: Uh, well, cheaper, quicker. Uh, you can run forever. You, you know, you can capture lots more. It democratizes it. Anyone can do it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <clears throat> and 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 the film does sort of explain all that in in a comprehensive way, and it is surprisingly gripping as a sort of uh, almost an educational tool. Um, I think it's strange to make a film like this. You know, we, at the paper we're always sort of commissioning articles about this kind of thing and about new tech, and And you do it sort of, you could do it every day. You know, these things change so quickly. Mm. And to sort of uh, put out a film that's already by its nature to some extent out of date feels strange and ambitious and good in many ways. The other thing I would have liked from this film is some sort of sense of what normal people, what audiences think of it. Mm. You know, whether or not they notice, care, um, you know, whether it affects their cinema going at all. That would have been useful yeah. because the filmmakers involved make quite a lot of assumptions about that, but they're not really backed up by, by anything. That would be nice.
2: It's quite <laughs> similar to This Is 40 in that way, it? it's made for about 20 people <laughs> around true. the filmmaker. Is yeah. it anything yeah.
0: more than the most glamorous corporate video you're ever likely to see?
2: It is, because, I mean, as Caffrey says, it is, you know, a state of the industry at the moment, which, again, is interesting for people who are in the business, I guess. But, um, yeah, I mean, there are these, you know, you've pointed out there are these incredibly glossy moments where you do these kind of graphics zooming into a camera and saying, this is the red digital camera.
3: And it's, and
2: it's like, well, <laughs> that's <Retails> lovely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. $250,000. That's lovely, Keanu, but, I've, you know, why do I care about any of this, mm. really? And
3: also, you know, I mean, Keanu, what is he now, 45? And, and he's, you know, it's lovely to see somebody so engaged and fresh and yeah. learning, so keen to learn, unlike the people in This Is 40 who are dead. Mm.
2: And he's also starting to make his own films now as director, so this is a kind of introdu- introduction of Keanu Reeves, the filmmaker, rather than... Maybe it'll the be theater.
0: part of a series. It'll do documentaries on, you know, Israel and Palestine or something like that next. There isn't yet a superior or even an equal imaging technology to film,
2: but we're being forced into transition.
0: And that's it from us. As always, we do like to give the last word to Keanu Reeves. All that remains is for me to thank Catherine Shord and Henry Barnes, and to you for watching us in rich cinemascope at your local Picture Palace. We shall be back in the same venue next week, when hopefully we shall have the Wurlitzer organ up and working again. See you there.